Blog Talk Radio. Happy Friday, everybody. Happy Friday. Goodness gracious. Old habits die hard. Happy Monday, everybody. It's uh, Monday. It's April the 22nd. Uh, welcome to the Michael Cutler Hour. I am your host, the somewhat confused Michael Cutler. Um, this past Friday, we observed Passover, so um, I postponed my program until today, Monday, not Friday, but Monday, April the 22nd. Thank you so much for joining me. Um, those of you who are familiar with me know that I'm a retired senior special agent with what used to be the Immigration and Naturalization Service, an agency that was uh, sliced, diced, mutilated, folded, basically destroyed and folded into an agency that was so messed up I came to call it the Department of Homeland Surrender. Both political parties have gotten us into the mess that we're in now. And uh, my mission that I have been on ever since the terror attacks of 9-11 is to try to educate as many of our fellow Americans and as many of our supposed leaders about the true significance of border security and effective but fair immigration law enforcement. And uh, this program is one of my efforts to accomplish that goal. The problem is that the If you listen to the politicians, if you listen to the pundits, immigration seems to be a left-right issue. You know, the Democrats are pro-immigrant and the Republicans are anti-immigrant. This is all a farce. Um, I'm frequently a guest on a terrific program on One American News Network, the Graham Ledger program, the Daily Ledger. I was on with Graham last week, and he always starts his program by saying something to the effect that the Doors to the newsroom are locked and the PC police are not getting in. I I, I love the work that Graham does. It's always good to be on his program. But this isn't about PC police, folks. This is the thought police. This has been going on for decades, at least since Jimmy Carter, when he declared that we would no longer use the term illegal alien to describe aliens illegally in the United States. We were to call them undocumented, undocumented immigrants which blows my mind. All of us, the guys that I worked with, were so infuriated. uh, We knew what was going on. This was an attempt of Orwellian newspeak to alter perceptions about immigration. I got so angry, I started to refer to illegal aliens as pre-citizens, and that actually caught on around the country. But the reality is that it is not anti-immigrant to be pro-enforcement just as it's not pro-immigrant to be in favor of anarchy because it's the members of the ethnic immigrant communities from all over the world, not just Latin America. We're a country of 50 border states. And the people at greatest risk from the crimes committed by transnational criminals and fugitives are the members of the ethnic immigrant communities who live in those communities along with the criminals, the thugs, the terrorists, the gangbangers, and so forth, that they were fleeing when they came to the United States. They're the ones taking the greatest uh, or getting the greatest harm. But that's not what you're hearing in the media. There have been so many buzzwords, so many phrases, so many 
uh, false statements, artful use of language, dishonest language, I might add, propaganda. And what I try to do on this program is to help you wade through this cesspool. It's not a swamp, it's a cesspool. See, when people refer to Washington as the swamp, I, I disagree also. Swamps are natural. They're part of the Earth's ecosystem. If you got rid of the swamps, uh, you would destroy the food chain, ultimately. So if you're concerned about the environment, swamps have an important role to play. Cesspools, on the other hand, are artificial, and I can promise you there's nothing good to be found in a cesspool. This is a stinking, rotting cesspool that we're dealing with, both political parties. You know, I, I almost feel, I was just speaking to some friends over the weekend, and I, and I made the point that what we're witnessing by both parties now seems to be a lengthy case of road rage. We have two bus drivers, the leadership of both parties, that are playing demolition derby, and we are the hapless passengers on the bus, and we can't get off. You know, some guy cut someone else off, and now they're going to get even, and they're roaring down the road, and someone's going to go off the cliff. And I fear it's America that's going to wind up going off the cliff. Um, you know, ever since Bill Clinton was impeached, the Democrats were furious. We've got to get even. And you had the contentious election uh, in 1980. More anger, more fighting. Uh, not 1980, forgive me, um, in, in 2000. And you had more fighting and, and more contentious nonsense over whether it was Al Gore or George W. Bush who won the election. And so this insanity has been festering literally now for decades. And so here we are. Here we are, at least 20 years in, into the madness, or about 20 years into the madness. Um, and, and there's still no way of resolving it. There's still no way of resolving it because neither party wants to back down. And neither party wants a president, I believe, who believes in sovereign borders. And that's not to say that I always agree with Donald Trump, but I wish he would be using more artful and nuanced language. But goodness, the lies that are being told to support open borders anarchy are astonishing. And, and that's what I want to address today. I don't have any articles that are currently published or haven't been published in the last few days over its front page. I have one in the pipeline I hope it will be published in the next day or two. And when it comes out, it's a doozy. Not because I wrote it, but I can tell you it is. It's about a Mexican who actually got a security clearance. In fact, multiple security clearances. And he was an illegal alien. And wait till you find out what the judge ruled. It will leave your head spinning. I promise you it will. We've lost our minds. And these judges have really come unglued. Uh, you look at rational, reasonable thought processes, and they seem to be lacking. They really do. A mythology has sprung up around immigration because it has become a cottage industry. To that point, late last week, I was invited to participate in a panel discussion or a debate, if you will, with a Columbia political science professor who works with the United Nations. Uh, he's an attorney, and his whole thing was – my God, we're being unfair to the immigrants. If we're really being unfair to the immigrants, it's the fact that we refuse to make the distinction between illegal alien and lawful immigrant. Now, that's unfair. That's disgusting. That's outrageous. But the topic for the debate was, again, here we go. Hold your breath. Separation of families. Children being torn from the arms of their parents. Not at the border, although they did mention it in passing. 
But U.S. citizen children, when their parents are arrested and deported, they're being sent out of the country. These children, these victims of the tough immigration laws, are being ripped from their parents' arms. Now, so let's look at what we're really talking about. And some of the points I made were were broadcast. Some weren't because it was edited. I always hate to do a program where they edit it unless I really know the producers because you just never know what they're going to do when they get to the cutting room. Um, And and a, a number of my arguments truly wound up on the cutting room floor. But I was able to make some points. And and if you go to the uh, blog talk radio announcement of my show, you'll see the link to this video at TRT Television. I believe they're based in Turkey. It's an international news program. So let's start with a couple of fundamentals. Children who are born of illegal aliens in the United States under the current interpretation of the 14th Amendment are provided with U.S. citizenship at the moment that they're born with one exception. Children born to diplomats from foreign countries are not Americans by virtue of birth in the United States because the law says subject to the laws of the United States, diplomats are not. You've always heard of the term diplomatic immunity. Well, the, uh, the, the concept is that if a diplomat is immune to the law, they're not subject to the law, so their children are not citizens by being born in the United States. That makes sense. It's rational. The issue about illegal aliens, I don't know of any other um, major country that would permit illegal aliens to have children and then bestow upon those children United States citizenship, but we do. Whether we should or should not, that's a discussion for another day. But the issue is that as of right now, they are. Now, there's two implications. Because they become citizens, they become entitled to, to you name it, they get it, education, health care, uh, whatever an American child could expect to get, they're going to get it when they go to school. The school nurses, nutrition programs, they're Americans. They're, they are as American as anybody else. They're as American as you or I. And so they're entitled to everything. Now, they are also entitled when they turn 21 to petition to bring their parents to the United States as lawful immigrants, putting them immediately on the pathway to U.S. citizenship. A while back when I was working with the House Immigration Subcommittee on the Republican side, I haven't worked with them in some time now, but I had proposed a partial solution, a compromise, if you will. I said, okay, even if we're going to continue the practice of bestowing citizenship upon children born to illegal aliens, we need to stop this ability that they have to petition the U.S. government to provide their parents with residency in the United States. These kids are called anchor babies. I made that point on the program. The idea is the parent gets the kid into the United States, and they now are anchored to the country by virtue of that child who can then petition for them to get lawful immigrant status. And so let's take at least that part of the equation out. Let's stop this practice of providing these children who become adults with the ability to petition for their parents who gave birth to them illegally in the United, when they were illegally present in the United States. So that's one of the issues. Didn't get a chance to talk about it because TV is always tight on time. And it wasn't just myself and this professor who were talking. They had video clips of all sorts of people in Florida and elsewhere dealing with this supposed crisis. My gosh, 
the government now owes these children everything because we've ripped them from the arms of their parents. Not so fast. This is what you're not going to hear in the mainstream media. I'm sure you're seeing it on TV all the time. These poor children being separated from their parents. The parents are being deported. Oh, my gosh. And, of course, the professor said, well, the solution is simple. Don't deport the parents. It really seemed as though the solution to everything about immigration ended with the same punchline. Don't deport the alien. Don't impose a penalty on the person who's working illegally because we need their work. Tell that to the Americans who've lost their jobs. Tell that to our economy when we lose tens of billions of dollars in remittances, money wired out of the country by foreign workers. Tell that to people who suffer wage suppression because we have flooded the labor market with illegal aliens who do the work that generally America's lowest paid workers do. And if you suppress the wages of Americans at the bottom rung of the economic ladder, they are likely to become homeless. And indeed, homelessness is at record levels in many cities across the country, particularly sanctuary cities. San Francisco was turned into a zoo. New York's rate of homelessness is climbing. There are impacts. These are not victimless crimes. Illegal aliens work illegally. They often commit identity theft, or they'll go to a document vendor who commits identity theft. Anyone who has ever fallen victim to identity theft can attest to how this turns their world upside down, destroys opportunities to buy homes or cars or get a job. It's devastating. And a big part of the reason for identity theft are illegal aliens looking to get documentation so they can work. So the the solution kept coming up throughout the entire debate. We shouldn't be deporting them. We shouldn't be so nasty. We shouldn't be so draconian. We need to be compassionate. And I kept saying, well, what about compassion for Americans? What about compassion for the wages that we pay Americans and lawful immigrants? Why Why would anyone come legally if we're willing to give everything to people who come illegally? You know, this is the lunacy. But the argument kept coming back to, well, Their parents, their children are being devastated. So the obvious solution, don't deport them. What do you do with them? Well, give them a pathway to legal status. Well, if we do that with millions, oh, there's not that many here. There are. And to be blunt about it, it just seems as though the facts are irrelevant to folks like this professor. There aren't that many. Everyone is worried we're being overwhelmed. There's barely any, barely any. Last year, um, or, or this past year, Uh, I believe it was MIT and Harvard did a study and said, you know, even though we're being told there's 11 million illegals, it's probably more than double that number. I think that's way conservative. Ronald Reagan's administration told us there were about a million illegal aliens that they would legalize through the amnesty of 86 under the Immigration Reform and Control Act. Turned out we wound up legalizing well over three and a half million. So if it's about a three to one ratio, and you're talking about 11 million by the same standard. We have over 33, 35 million illegal aliens and more arriving every day and caravans coming because they're encouraged because the more that come, the less the resources can deal with the onslaught. We're overwhelmed. This is Lucy at the bonbon factory on steroids. But it doesn't matter. The professor just sat there very calmly and said, oh, there's not that many people that we're talking about. And I said, people come and they, They have children knowing that they can ultimately become resident aliens. Oh, it takes 26, 28 years, whatever numbers he was throwing around. I said, no, when the child becomes 21. Oh, but it takes years and years and years. 
So no one even expects they're going to get a green card based on that. What didn't come up in the discussion should come up, and it's the issue of birth tourism. In fact, just a couple of months ago, ICE did a major operation, Homeland Security Investigations, a division of ICE, Immigration and Customs Enforcement, and these were people from Asia coming to the United States, staying in hotels, lying when they got their visas, claiming they were coming as tourists, but they were committing visa fraud, knowing full well that they were pregnant and their goal was to have a child in the United States, which would then enable them 21 years from now to get green cards, enable these children to get the benefits of an American education in the United States. So when you hear this nonsense, oh, no one would do that. Oh, the numbers are very small. Even if the numbers are huge, the opponents that we're dealing with just won't tell the truth. They lie. There's no other way of putting it. Uh, I hate to make an accusation like that, but how could you say the numbers are small? We already admit 1.1 million lawful immigrants. And they kept referring to the illegal aliens as these poor immigrants. You see, because this comes back to America as a nation of immigrants. And look what we're doing to the children of immigrants. These are American children. And we're ripping them out of the arms of their parents. They said, you know something? That's not true. That's a falsehood. Because those children as Americans are also likely dual nationals. So if their parents are citizens of Mexico or Guatemala or El Salvador or Colombia or a European country, doesn't matter. Most of those children are dual nationals. What does that mean? It means simply this. The parents can take the child. We're not going to deport the child. We never, ever, under any circumstances, deport American citizens. Those, child, those, those children can stay here forever. But the parents, when they are sent back to their home country, may certainly take the children with them. No separation of families. There goes the argument. The host on this program said to me, well, but they don't want their kids to go back to those terrible countries where there's lots of violence. They said, but that's not the issue. You're making a point that America is separating the parents from the children. We're not doing that. The parents are making a conscious decision that they will leave their children here when they go back to their home country, you see. So who is really responsible for splitting up the family, and why are the parents here in the first place? Why are they having children here? So the professor, as you will see on the video, says, oh, they're not coming specifically to have kids. I said, some of them are, some of them aren't, but nevertheless, this is the result, and you're complaining about family separation. But there needs not be any family separation. The parents simply need to take their children back to their home countries with them, and those kids can come here whenever they want. They can come freely back and forth across our border 20 times a day. They are American citizens, and we don't stop Americans from entering the United States ever. So there's no reason for those children to stay behind when the parent goes back to the home country. And the host said, well, but look at the conditions in the home country. I said, okay, so fine. The parents then are making a conscious decision to separate themselves from their children. That's not what this is supposed to be about. I said, you're creating this image of American government pulling children out of the arms of the parents, and we're not. That's not what the government does. These parents are making a conscious decision. And then they interviewed a woman in Florida who purportedly is taking care of, catch this number, folks, at least a 1,000, a 1,000 
That number blows my mind. She's taking care of a thousand children. Is this like a foster home? What do you mean a thousand children? And who's paying for all this? That never came out in the conversation. So you have a woman who has an industry and what's her business? Caring for American children whose parents abandon them and go back to their home country. Now, what was interesting is they tried to hang this on Donald Trump. Oh, look at what Trump is doing. And this woman said, no, 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 no. This has been done by the Democrats and the Republicans. Obama was just as bad. George Bush was just as bad. They all do the same, both parties. I thought, well, there's a welcome change of pace. Let's have some candor here. But again, the emphasis was America is separating children from the parents. America's not doing that. The parents can take the child, fly back to whatever their home country is. Those children will be welcomed into those countries because if their parents are citizens of the country, the children at birth are citizens of the country of citizenship of the parents. But that was something that they were trying to keep me from saying on the air. That was my sense. That's not what they wanted to hear. This is about crafting a story. And what's the story? America is evil. American immigration law enforcement is brutal. We're a horrible country. We do terrible things to people all over the world because we won't invite in three billion starving people. This is madness. I have to tell you, this is madness. And whenever we talk about immigration, it's always unfair. It's always unreasonable. It's always draconian. These are the way we describe our our, our enforcement of immigration laws. The United States admits more lawful immigrants every year than the rest of the world combined, but that doesn't matter doesn't matter. The United States gives citizenship to children of illegal aliens. No other country does that. That doesn't matter. We offer political asylum to people who truly have a claim of credible fear. That doesn't matter. And when I started to talk about the nexus between immigration and terrorism, that didn't show up at all. And she said, well, we're only focusing on this issue. Well, you can't do that. You see, it's like saying we were to jump out of an airplane but we ignore that gravity is going to cause us to smash into the ground. But we, we don't want to talk. What's the experience of falling through the air like? Let's ignore what happens when you hit the ground. You know? Let's leave out the critical elements. And it just seems that the way that immigration keeps getting portrayed is to vilify, open, vilify anyone who wants to secure the borders or enforce the law. And certainly the people who do that work are the worst of the worst. What kind of people would pull children out of the arms of their parents? Again, when was the last time you heard on television or anywhere else that children who were born to illegal alien parents are free to go back to their home countries with the parents because they are dual nationals? That never comes into the conversation because the goal of the conversation is to convince Americans, and we're gullible. i got to tell you, this is the country where they made a lot of money with the pet rock, you know, to convince gullible Americans that immigration agents at 3 o'clock in the morning, and I, and I had this happen at a debate years ago um, at, at, at the SEIU, you know, and, and this guy came on, and he was the mayor of a town in New Jersey, and afterwards it had dawned on me, I said, what do you do for a living? Because most mayors of small towns, being a mayor isn't a full-time job. It's not like the mayor of New York or the mayor of Chicago, full-time job. If you're a mayor in a small town where maybe you've got 25 police officers and, and you know, a, a couple of other people working for you, they have other jobs. They don't get paid that much money to do those jobs. In fact, in some towns, being a mayor 
doesn't pay at all. It's ceremonial and, you know, it's fun, but not, not, no heavy lifting. It turned out that this guy had a thriving landscaping business in New Jersey. So suddenly it clicked. Yes, the guy has all these illegals working for him. And he made this incredible statement on stage. And there was a video, which I never got because I, I believe, soundly defeated him in the debate. Oh, the immigration agents, Jack, Jack Boots look like, and I was an INS agent for how many years? The jackbooted agents at three in the morning kicks the doors in. Kicks the doors in. Folks, if I ever did that, I'd be in jail. And it's always three in the morning. As, an, as a federal agent, you cannot execute a search warrant after 10 o'clock or before 6 a.m. We used to stage at 5.30 right near the location because at 6 o'clock we could then execute the warrants. But they always claim 3 o'clock in the morning. You can get a nighttime warrant, and it's got to be because lives are at stake or it's about national security. In my 30 years, I recall only two Think of that, two nighttime warrants that I was involved with in both cases because there were concerns about the safety of children in an apartment where there were narcotics and firearms. Otherwise, you don't go with three in the morning. And this guy makes the statement, these agents love to get there at 3 a.m. and pull the kids out of the beds who are sleeping with their parents. I've never seen that happen. Okay, this isn't the way we do business. But the lies are incredible, and people get angry, and there's consequences. Assaults on immigration law enforcement offices are up drastically since these reckless individuals, people like Cuomo here in New York, the alleged governor, little Andy Cuomo, with his pea brain, calling immigration agents thugs. Read the 9-11 Commission report. Interior enforcement of the immigration laws, the mission of ICE. They complained the commission wasn't done effectively, causing us to miss opportunities to disrupt terrorist operations. Okay, so agents who put their lives on the line to arrest criminals and terrorists and so forth and members of the drug cartels are thugs, according to our governor here in New York. The the state that got hammered the worst because of the terror attacks of September 11th, 2001, where the thugs. Then Cuomo wants more money because New York is a terror target. The mayor de Blasio, who has furthered the sanctuary policies, wants the money because we're a terror target. But they blithely ignore the findings and recommendations of the 9-11 Commission. It's an endless cycle of propaganda, lies, mistruths, half-truths, thought police. It is a concerted effort to twist the public understanding of immigration law enforcement, doing the work the Americans won't do. In fact, the host at one point said, don't we owe these aliens, these immigrants something for doing all that hard work that no one else wanted to do? Doesn't that entitle them to be treated properly? I said, they're working illegally. Yes, but they're doing important work that others won't do. I said, no, Americans will do any job, but you have to pay them a living wage. They're being exploited. I said, when you support illegal immigration, you're supporting exploitation. That got glossed over. But the biggest problem we have is that both political parties are in on this. If you want to really look for collusion, this is where the collusion exists. The collusion exists 
because both parties want the cheap labor. They want the campaign contributions. And as I did make the point on the program, because they asked me if the immigration system is broken, I said, no, it's not broken. And they were stunned. I said, the immigration system has become a delivery system. It delivers an unlimited supply of cheap, exploitable labor, an unlimited supply of foreign tourists and foreign students, and most importantly for the politicians and the lawyers who are out there, it delivers an unlimited supply of clients to law firms. That's why we have the mess. That's why you have 6,000 immigration agents and half of them aren't doing immigration work. These are failures by design, you see. And that political science professor is also a lawyer. He knows where his bread is buttered. So the numbers are small. It's unfair. We're pulling children out of the arms of their parents. But nobody wants to talk about the people who die when criminals come to the United States and families are separated, not by law, but by violence by terrorism, by narcotics, by gangs. We don't want to talk about that. Let's not have that conversation. Because the immigrant, really illegal alien, is the victim in all these fanciful stories that they're telling. The poor immigrants, here's America, nation of immigrants, and we're tearing the immigrants away from their children. And sometimes the kids never see their parents again. Folks, you've got to understand that There is such a lack of honesty in the entire debate. The same thing with the children on the border. There was just an article. I'm going to do some more research so I can write an article because, you know, I don't publish anything without cold, hard facts. Uh, As an agent, I dealt in facts. And since I stopped being an agent, I still deal in facts. But there have been numerous reports, and I've seen it myself as an agent. I want to make sure it's still happening on the Mexican border of children being recycled. Now, what's a recycled child? Children who come with adults, if the adult claims that the child is theirs, they're entitled to come into the United States. They get in, catch and release. They're inside the United States. The kid gets sent back to Mexico where they are hooked up with another set of adults who also claim to be the child's parents. My understanding is that there's a problem in trying to photograph children that are that young. I believe the courts won't allow it. Again, I I need to do research. I don't want to misspeak. So you could have a child repeatedly used and used and used and abused and kept from the real parents as they're used as a substitute for a visa to enter the United States. So you're seeing these pictures of children by themselves. You're saying, well, we took them away from the parents. They may never have even come here with their parents. And I could tell you, I was in every squad within the investigations branch in the New York office of the INS, and I was part of the anti-smuggling unit for about three years. There are very few criminals who are as sociopathic as some of these alien smugglers. I'd put them right up there with terrorists. You're now dealing with narco traffickers. They also smuggle aliens. They use the the uh, aliens as mules to carry the drugs. Um, dogs and other animals have had, you know, condoms shoved into them. The, the animals get killed. I mean, I, I can't even begin to tell you the stories. Sickening. We had one case many years ago. I'm talking about 30 or 40 years ago when it wasn't nearly as violent or bad as it is today, where a smuggler called up the family and said, we have your uncle or we have your father, whatever the, the, the man's relationship was with this family. And he said, if you you want to see him again alive, 
you need to come up with another $5,000. Well, these people can't come up with the money, but somehow they did it. God only knows how. And they wired the money where they were supposed to. And the next morning they woke up and their relative was delivered. Unfortunately, he was dead. His decaying body was left in front of their house. Think about that. That's who's taking these children into the United States. And so when President Trump and then Attorney General Jeff Sessions said, let's do DNA testing, not such an uh, an unbelievable thing. In fact, France has been using DNA testing when families claim political asylum to make certain there's a familial relationship because there's an awful lot of lying going on. The courts complained that it was taking too long. There went DNA testing. So now we don't know, especially if you're dealing with a year and a half old baby or a two-year-old baby. Is that baby going to say, this is my mommy, this is my daddy, this is my brother? That child can't talk. They bring in the child. For all you know, these people are smugglers or criminals. For all you know, they kill the baby afterwards, dispose of the evidence, and move on. This is the level of violence and insanity that we're seeing. But the mythology is immigration agents come in at 3 o'clock in the morning and rip children out of the arms of their parents in that warm bed on a cold winter night, 3 in the morning. That's the story being told. And again, the consequences, assaults on immigration agents have more than doubled since all the lies have been told. And it was clear that nobody was happy to consider the idea that maybe these parents ought to just take their children to Mexico, El Salvador, Guatemala, wherever, because these are their children. They abandon the children here. And if they have family, the family can care for the kids. But the picture that is painted that goes out around the world is that immigration rips the children away from the parents, even though these children are American citizens, and put them into child welfare someplace. This is such an outrageous lie, I don't even know where to begin. I don't know where to begin. And that's why it's critical that when you are meeting with your elected representatives, and you must have them meet with you, if they don't want to meet with you, you need to vote them out of office. If you have an employer and your employer says, hey, Charlie, we're having a meeting at 9 o'clock tomorrow morning, I don't imagine you blow off the meeting and say, nah, boss, I got other things to do. Do it without me. Let me know how it goes. These people are our employees, these members of Congress, these mayors and governors. They are our damn employees. I like to refer to them by first name when I meet them. And that's important because first impressions are lasting impressions. And it's important from square one to clearly establish a proper employer-employee relationship. You know, I had the opportunity to address a room filled with Air Force brass last week. It's always a privilege. I work with the Speakers Bureau, Alan L. Freed Associates. I've been working with them, gosh, for at least a dozen or more years. And these were all Air Force generals and colonels and so forth. And I had spoken about astronauts. And I just have to tell you, it was really a kick. Uh, in the room, I found out, was one of America's astronauts, Jack Fisher, who I uh, wound up taking a picture with. These are true leaders. And they understand the point. And the men and women of the military are putting their lives on the line to keep our enemies as far from our shores as possible. And that was the point that I made when I was addressing this audience. But up close and in person, the task of keeping America's enemies as far, of keeping the enemies away from America, up close and in person, falls to the Border Patrol and then ICE agents. 
The military does it at long range. DHS, that's why it's called the Department of Homeland Security, although I call it the Department of Homeland Surrender. They're supposed to do it up close and in person. But look at the screaming going on. Look at the calls for dismantling immigration law enforcement by the loony left. But where's the right? Why do we have 6,000 immigration agents? The Democrats didn't control the House during the first two years of the Trump administration. The Republicans were in control. No money for the wall. No money for more agents. Why? Because both parties want open borders. That's why both parties say, oh, we can't deport them all. We've got to give them lawful status. So now the debate, it's bait and switch. I wrote about this for Front Page Magazine, frontpagemag.com. This is bait and switch. So do we give them citizenship or only permission to work? Of course, any alien who's here working and meets an American and gets married is on the path to a green card anyway. These are fake arguments. But the arguments are being used to accomplish that one goal. As I said in the beginning, the immigration system is a delivery system, and it delivers, among other things, an unlimited supply of clients for immigration law firms. This isn't about getting the aliens out of the shadows, because no bill for a massive amnesty program included the hiring of additional agents. That that includes Ronald Reagan. They didn't hire more agents. It was all a bluff. We're going to get tough if you knowingly hire We're going to punish you. We didn't have any agents to do the job. We got into the problem because of a shortage of agents. And this issue of employer sanctions just exacerbated the shortage by putting more work on the table and nobody to do it. 3,000 ICE agents? Are you kidding me? That's like telling five cops in New York City you're responsible for providing security for the Thanksgiving Day Parade. We had 6,000 police officers securing Manhattan for for New Year's Eve. 6,000 New York City cops. That's as many ICE agents as we have for the whole country, and half of them aren't doing immigration work. Understand, this is a solvable problem. It's not being solved because the elite in America don't want it solved. They want the status quo. They want the flood of people coming into America. And I really believe that the, that the Democrats really have a goal of establishing a one-party system de facto in the United States. In other words, a totalitarian state. This may sound nuts to you, but if you keep on destroying the wages of American workers, increasingly people will vote for the Democrats who offer the handouts and subsidies. The Republicans aren't going to give you anything. And no matter what your ideology is, if you think it's a luxury to turn on the lights in your house when you come home from a hard day at work, or maybe two jobs, then you'll get a vote for the candidate who offers you freebies. And the, can, the party of the freebie is the Democratic Party. I sometimes watch Vice on television, and they did a whole thing about work. And this was remarkable, because it was all about artificial intelligence. They showed trucks being driven by computers, and in the operating room, more computers and robots and so forth, and certain jobs are going away, and people are flipping hamburgers today, but tomorrow robots will be doing it. And they showed Amazon, and they called it cobotics, you know, robotics with people working with the robots. And, and they're making $15 an hour, and everyone's supposed to get excited. $15 an hour is a little more than 30000 a year. Lots of luck living on that in a place like New York City. You can't even support a dog on $30,000 a year in New York City. It's laughable, except it's not laughable at all. It's tragic. And so 
this talk about jobs going away and more high tech and on and on and on. And what was so remarkable, other than them slipping in a one, a one line about how, you know, white men are getting all the good jobs, which, which blows my mind. This is racism. And there's no other way of describing it. We need to stop this identity politics. It's toxic. It's anti-American. It's divisive. Um, and, and forget about E Pluribus Unum out of many one. We're, we're being set upon so that we're fighting with each other and ignoring what the crooks are doing from both political parties. But with all the talk about a shortage of jobs and how important jobs are, not only for income, but for identity. You know, if someone asks you when you're eight years old, what's the first question? What are you going to be when you grow up? I don't know of too many eight-year-olds who say, I hope to be unemployed, you know, but that's where we are. That's where we are increasingly. And so you, you get identity from your work. It gives you per, it gives your life meaning and so forth. And, and it, it's increasingly uh, going to be difficult to get meaningful work with more artificial intelligence, more automation, more robots and so forth. But throughout this one hour program with no commercials, guess which topic never, ever came up? You guessed it. Immigration. Not one word about how we bring in more workers every year, legally and illegally, than the number of new jobs that are being created. And then they talked about the idea, they, the people who did the program, about how even people like Zuckerberg and Gates and all these geniuses, the masters of the universe from Silicon Valley, favor giving people a minimum income because they can't support themselves. And, and in one case, they were talking about $1,000 a month, $1,000 a month. Wow, that's really going to solve people's problems. The absurdity of all of this, the absurdity of all of this. Um, I don't know what the solution is in terms of loss of jobs, more automation, more artificial intelligence. And yes, some new jobs will be created, but I suspect that more job, many more jobs will be lost than created. And we still are acting in America as though this is 150 years ago where we have needs for, for manual, unskilled labor as we flood America with people who have no skills, no language skills, let alone computer skills. They can't speak the language. It's catastrophic. It's catastrophic. And it's amazing to me that you could have a program about the loss of jobs because of automation, but not one word about the impact of immigration on the American worker. I mean, that was what the whole program was supposed to be about. And by the way, you may not know this, but prior to the Second World War, the administration and enforcement of immigration laws was primarily the responsibility of the Labor Department. The whole goal was to protect jobs and wages of American workers. Remarkable. So here you have this program on TV, no commercials, a full solid hour, talking about the loss of jobs because of robots, but no word mentioned about the impact of immigration on jobs and wages. Truly astonishing. But this is the pablum that is being served up and handed out on a day-to-day basis by the media and by politicians to the American public. And that's why I do this program. Um, One of the other issues, by the way, that I raised when I was doing this program for Turkish television they were actually showing aliens working in kitchens. And I said, you know, with all the concerns about the measles outbreak and disease, 
Lots of luck having people working in kitchens who snuck into the country and may actually be infected with dangerous communicable diseases. A lot of what I said got cut down, you know, time constraints, supposedly. But at least I was able to make the point about who's working in the kitchen if they snuck into the country. Aliens who suffer dangerous communicable diseases are to be excluded from the United States. But people that enter without inspection don't have to prove that they've been inoculated, and there's no way of knowing if they have diseases as well as criminal histories. But what the hey, America is a terrible country that treats these immigrants terribly and rips their children out of their arms. It's all that we kept hearing. That's the image. I also want to get to something else that I had mentioned um, on the notice of my program today. You know, and it's still in the news. If you remember, um, at the beginning of the month, there was a Chinese woman, Yu Jingzhang, a citizen of China, was caught trying to sneak in to Mar-a-Lago, President Trump's resort down in Florida. And it was amazing because so many of the headlines, um, well, like one of them, for example, this was CNN. Woman accused of illegal entry to Mar-a-Lago. Illegal entry. Wow. Almost sounds like an immigration story, doesn't it? Illegal entry. But nobody considered, how did they get the visa? If they did mention the fact that she had two passports, one was expired, one was current, and she had a 10-year visa. There's no such thing as a 10-year visa. Sort of, but not quite. If you come on a tourist visa, which apparently she had, You're allowed to stay for no more than six months, and you may not be gainfully employed. The visa may be valid to use to come to America over a period of 10 years. They they actually used to issue indefinites. I'm not sure if they're still doing that. I hope they are not. But, you know, indefinite, multiple entry. So you could come whenever you want. You had the passport, and you were good to go. But the point of the matter is no one is asking What did she say on her visa application? She snuck in. She deceived. She lied to Secret Service. Folks, my suspicion is this woman lied to the Customs and Border Protection Inspector at the airport. Because when she came into the airport, and I can tell you what she she would have been asked, because I did that job for four years at the beginning of my career with the old INS, you traditionally ask the person, How long do you plan to stay? What is the purpose of your visit? And then you might ask, how much money do you have with you? Do you have a return trip? What is your address? Are you visiting family? There's a number of quick questions, but you only get about a minute. Again, Lucy at the Bonbon Factory, keep the line moving, folks. If you wonder why over a half million aliens violate the terms of their admission every year, this is the reason why. And we have this crazy visa waiver program that should have ended the morning after 9-11. 26 visa waiver countries on 9-11. Today we're up to 38. Although to the president's credit, once again, there has not been a single country added to the list of visa waiver countries since the inauguration of President Donald Trump. But those countries were added uh, after uh, Bush was elected and after Obama was elected. So no one looks at the possibility. What did she say to get the visa? What did she say at the airport when she entered and they said, that, what's the purpose for your visit? She probably told them the same story that she told Secret Service at Mar-a-Lago. Oh, I'm coming to an event that she knew didn't exist. But nobody pays attention to entry into the United States. She had a visa. She had a passport. Must have been okay. 
visa fraud. Immigration benefit fraud was actually the topic of my very first congressional hearing back on May 20th, 1997, four and a half years before the attacks of 9-11. That hearing was held by the House Immigration Subcommittee um, because of two terror attacks carried out in the United States in 1993. First, you had a guy by the name of Mir Amil Kansi who shot up the CIA, killed two CIA officers, wounded three others in January of, 90, of uh, 1993. He was a citizen of Pakistan who had applied for political asylum. Then, one month later, you had the first attack at the World Trade Center that killed six people, injured over 1,000, and almost brought one of the towers down sideways. And I don't even want to imagine, I don't even want to imagine what the casualty count would have been had they succeeded. And according to some engineers that I've spoken with, who were involved in the investigation of that bomb blast, if the truck had been filled to the top with explosives or possibly parked on the opposite wall of the garage, there was a chance that the tower could have come down sideways. Nobody would have gotten out. One tower would have collided with the other. Most likely, the seawall that keeps the Hudson River out of Lower Manhattan would have been breached. Lower Manhattan would have been submerged, all the way Wall Street and, and so forth. I don't even want to imagine what that would have looked like. And the Clinton administration reaction to that was virtually nothing, virtually nothing. And so, you know, we have to understand that there's so much more that's missing from the immigration system than a secure Mexican border. You know, I compare a wall on the Mexican border to the wing on an airplane. Without the wing, the airplane doesn't fly, but the wing by itself goes nowhere. So we, we, we had Congress, both parties, trying to prevent the president from securing the U.S.-Mexican border, even though drugs and aliens are flowing across. You have Chuck Schumer jumping up and down saying that if you trespass on critical infrastructure, you should go to jail for five years. When you trespass on America, you should get citizenship. We have CNN talking about the illegal entry of a Chinese national into Mar-a-Lago but ignoring what was probably an illegal entry into the United States, because even if you have a visa but lie to get the visa, you are subject to deportation. You are here illegally once we can prove that you lied. Nobody wants to talk about that, folks. That's not the issue of the day. The issue of the day is that we are separating children from their families. And no one wants to talk about how many American children have lost their parents or how many parents have lost their children to gangs, or drugs, or terrorists, or crimes of violence. We're not going to have that conversation. We're just going to talk about these children who are being separated from their parents who've actually made a conscious decision to abandon their children and go back to their home country without their own kids. Now, maybe it's a tough call, but I can tell you this has happened in the past. Ellis Island was a quarantine station. And back then, when Ellis Island was operating, if a parent came in with a disease or a child came in with a disease, the family member who was sick was sent back to the home country, and the rest of the family had a choice to make. Either come to America without the sick family member, or everyone gets back on the boat and goes back to the home country. But nobody wants to talk about that. They just want to talk about these American citizen children who are being separated from their parents who had no right to be here. And in essence, what this professor was saying is that because they had children, they should be allowed to stay to take care of the kids. 
which gets us back to this notion about the anchor baby. Have a child in America, and then you can beat this whole system. I've got a child. Come on in. It doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way. When they raise that point, uh, I don't believe they, they actually included that question that I had asked. As I say, they did quite a bit of editing, unfortunately. But that's the point. If you tell people that if you have a child, we won't deport you, how many more people are going to come here and have children? And at that point, we no longer have control over our borders. And we're almost there now, folks. The idea that we have unknown millions of foreign nationals throughout the United States, it's not just the border states. We're 50 border states. As far as I'm concerned, we've lost control of our borders. We're losing control of our sovereignty. And this is a willful decision by the political elite from both parties who are making an awful lot of money, campaign contributions, and God knows what they do after they leave Congress. Bob Goodlatte was an immigration lawyer before he came to Congress. I don't doubt that he will go back to practicing immigration law now that he's no longer with Congress. And he was the chairman of the House Judiciary Committee. There's such a conflict of interest as far as I'm concerned. This isn't an anti-immigrant position that I take, but one of pro-enforcement. I'm an advocate for the enforcement of our immigration laws. Our immigration laws have nothing to do with race, religion, or ethnicity. Our laws are all about keeping out aliens with dangerous diseases, mental illness, criminals, terrorists, spies, human rights violators, fugitives from justice, aliens who were previously deported, aliens who, if they worked, um, uh, would displace American workers, irrespective of race, religion, or ethnicity. What in the world is the problem? And when you try to talk about the 9-11 Commission, you're told, oh, no, 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 we're focusing on the children. You mean terrorists don't have children? Really? This is insanity on a scale that I never thought was possible for the United States of America. I never thought I would see the day when our politicians would be that stupid or that corrupt or that the American people would become that gullible. That, of course, is an additional problem, the gullibility of the average American. People who listen to the soundbite and say, oh, this must be the way it is. Anti-immigrant. They've, they've adopted the language. Just, it, please understand, we're not talking now about the PC police. This is the thought police. This is about altering the public understanding of a very important issue through the artful and misleading use of language, emotional misleading use of language. This is right out of the playbook of the Third Reich. You tell a lie repeatedly at every opportunity, and pretty soon people think the lie is the truth. People keep saying that Donald Trump is anti-immigrant, yet we admitted more immigrants last year than I believe was admitted during the final year of the Obama administration. How is that anti-immigrant? Words matter. Understanding of the issues are critical. It is so important to be aware of the issues and engage your neighbors in debate. We are in a struggle for survival. I don't see it as anything less than that. If we can't prevent people from entering the United States in numbers that are beyond our capability to absorb them and assimilate them, 
that it doesn't become immigration, it becomes an invasion. Something Michelle Malkin said, gosh, over a decade ago, and I thought she was overstating the issue. I guess her crystal ball worked better than mine. Because at this point, it really does feel like an invasion, doesn't it? We, the people, have the responsibility, not only for ourselves, for our children, for our grandchildren, for this great republic, to bring sanity and integrity back to the system. It's not going to happen by wishing. It's going to happen by all of us taking responsibility, attending town hall meetings, sitting down with our neighbors in a calm, rational way. If you find my articles at Front Page Magazine, and I have uh, in the past written for the social contract, the last article that I wrote for the social contract might be particularly helpful. I called it Sanctuary Country, Immigration Failures by Design, where you will see exactly what is happening and why it's happening. But please appeal to your neighbors and your friends and your family members and say, look, maybe I'm getting it wrong, but why don't you take a look at what is probably really going on? If you're so confident in your belief system, then you ought to be able to look at this and tell me where I'm wrong and encourage that discussion. Because quite frankly, folks, I believe that the facts, the law, common sense, and morality are on the side of a rational uh, immigration system that honors lawful immigrants and deters illegal aliens. We do that with all other areas of law. Why should immigration be any different? Uh, This immigration crisis is impacting just about every challenge and threat that America and Americans are facing in this very turbulent and dangerous era. We're flooding America's schools with children who can't speak, read, or write English. Money that should go for more teachers, more classrooms, more laboratories, and something that I'm very concerned with, uh, help for children with learning disabilities, early intervention, and so forth. Um, That money is going into English as a second language. This doesn't help American children. It doesn't help the United States. It weakens us. It weakens us. When you have too many kids coming into schools who can't keep up, how do we teach them? How do we assimilate them? How do we help them to be successful uh, if this is what we're now dealing with? This is a huge problem. We have no idea who's coming into the country about terrorists, criminals. It's impacting the labor market. Uh, And it's also putting pressure on housing causing skyrocketing housing costs leading to more homelessness and think about children who grow up homeless and how they are forever impacted by that traumatic experience it's time that when we talk about compassion that we understand that first and foremost charity must begin at home and it begins at home by looking out for our fellow americans and that's the work all americans must do I thank you so much for joining me for this past hour. I hope that I've raised some thoughts and questions and got you fired up. And if I did, please get involved, folks. As I always like to say, democracy is not a spectator sport. I'm counting on you to get involved. Thank you so much. Um, Hope you have a great week. And I'll be seeing you again next Friday, this coming Friday, at the usual time. Have a great week, everybody. See you next time.